get into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Uh, Glenn will be joining us shortly, so we'll dive into here uh, Death Wish 2, which uh, is a canon film, folks. Yes, Death Wish 2, 1982, the sequel to Death Wish. But this is not a canon fodder film. No, that's next week. That's the one everybody voted on. But, you know. Uh, Help me out with this, Mark. Yeah. Um, when I put in my Death Wish 2 Blu-ray from the Bronson yeah, collection. I've got that one, too. Yeah. The triple threat the collection. The triple threat collection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I saw a beautiful high def MGM lion growling at me. Right. But I did not see the cannon. I, I saw Golden and Globus in uh, what was it called? Uh City a City Picture. City film. City film film. Yeah. What's the deal with this? I I'm not sure on that. Um I I was trying I read the chapter on Death Wish 2. Uh, I'm not sure what the deal is with it because, yeah, it's not labeled as canon at all. It's labeled as a Galan Globus production, um, but it's not labeled as a canon production. And in fact, they're working with two other producers to produce this film. <laughs> as well as with city film i don't know it surprised me in the credits i will say that the blu-ray is freaking wow did they clean that up i was watching it going this is this looks really good for yeah, i mean it looked freaking 4k on my tv and i know it's not it's just a no. blu-ray but geez it, well not only that it's a blu-ray it's a triple pack blu-ray you know i mean it's put out by mgm but usually those have a lesser quality to them, but I was impressed by the Blu-ray of of the Death Wish Two that came with the uh, with that Triple Threat, which was the three Canon films in it. But yeah, it, it surprised me too that I didn't see the Canon logo on it. I mean, you, you get the lion, but not the Canon logo, and I was like, "Where is that? I'm missing that." You know, I felt I felt cheated. I did so, feel cheated, but, but that was that was just the beginning of many things uh, that you felt disappointments. <laughs> With this movie. Now, I will say, okay, here comes Glenn. Here um, well, I'll, I'll hold off. Glenn! It's Glenn! Hey, hey. What's Sorry, up, sir? That. No worries. We were just blabbing about the uh, Venom uh, Let There Be Carnage trailer anyway for 15 minutes. So very All interesting. Right. I'm sure people found that to be so... <laughs> They probably probably gave them a death wish. Probably gave them a death wish. Yes. Well, we, we might have one or two new, more new listeners to the podcast at some point because I just wrapped up my D and D game. Oh. And I oh. told them I had to go talk about Death Wish too, and the guy's like, "Oh, I might check that out." I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, well, these are these are the originals with Charlie Bronson." He goes, "Oh, no, I'm familiar." 
and and that's what I love about canon films. And that's why I've ended up doing a lot more canon films than planned this year is because every time you mention a title of a canon film, it's like you don't hear a lot of people talk outside of the canon groups. But when you mention it, someone's like, oh, yeah, I know that film. And they, they get like <laughs> excited and they know it. I, you know, even when it's movies like Death Wish 2. So um, <laughs> tonight, I think with the BFD here, so glad you could join us, Biff. And we got Ian here. We got the whole Death Wish crew. Uh, so <laughs> once again, BFD, you do it so well. Please, what is the synopsis of Death Wish 2? All right. So Paul Kersey, mild-mannered crack shot architect, is back. Um, and he's somehow in L.A. Yeah. Looking for looking for the punks who murdered his wife. I'm sorry, his daughter. Um, and 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 and, and his, his maid this time. Yeah, his maid. For some reason, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand that at all. And you know, and then it just devolves into killing. And you know, Charlie Bronson showing a wide range of emotion, everywhere from blank faced to grimace. <laughs> he smiles a little bit. He, he does smile he a little does, bit. Yeah. So. And what's the confusion on the maid? He spends so much time cleaning up the streets, he can't clean up his apartment. <laughs> That makes sense. That checks out. I suppose. I suppose that makes perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. You know what ran through my head was uh, watching this film. The words of uh, Mr. Uh, Bruce Willis, John McClane, and Die Hard Two. Another plane. Uh, another terrorist. Another air duck. How could the same shit happen to the same guy twice? And that is exactly what we get with Death yeah. Wish Two. I mean, only he didn't have a wife. So they killed the maid, but they still, they, they get his daughter who's still mute and a little bit better. She's a little bit woke up, but she gets kidnapped, raped. And, and she kind of kills herself. And then she uh, kind of kills herself in her, her yeah. escape, um, which is interesting because I was reading up on, here's a shameless plug, prepare yourself, folks, on the Canon Film Guide, Volume 1. Um <laughs> Written by Austin Trunick. Check it out, folks. Because uh, great... He seems like an interesting guy to talk to. You should get on that, Mark. I should. I should get on that. No. <laughs> um, but in that, apparently, originally, they were going to have... The story was going to be that they find his daughter dead and they rule it a suicide, but Kersey knows better, but the police don't look into it any further because of his daughter's... Uh, mental issues so they just figure she killed herself so he actually goes out and looks for the actual people who killed his daughter because she was originally her death was originally going to be ruled a suicide and not considered murder so i don't think they played the kidnapping angle either i think she ended up you know going missing and then winding up dead and society thinks she killed herself but Kersey knows better and so he goes on his act of revenge I'm I'm glad they just went with the rehash of the first movie in that case because that sounds awful. <laughs> it's not any worse. Uh, well, it it is kind of in line with the way the cops would do an investigation, as evidenced by this movie. Uh, she has this little glass uh, kitty cat trinket mm -hmm. yes. that he gives to her, and it's at the crime scene. Mm. 
it's dropped during the scuffle. Yes. Uh, which, you know, the cop comes up to Paul Kersey afterwards and said, oh, I found this. And he hands it to her. Isn't that evidence? Like, what if there's, did they dust it for fingerprints? Like, did someone else handle that? Like, it, it's kind of like, hey, I found this cool bullet casing at the scene of a crime. You, you want this little trinket? No, I, that's, that's, that doesn't happen. I'm, I'm sorry. Where's your degree in forensic science from? <laughs> uh, it's NCISU, sir. We've had 25 years of CIS shows and true crime shows. My kid loves uh, forensic shows. He knows all kinds of shit like that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'd be cool to have like like a show about insect detectives called Forensic Flies. You know, right? I would I would believe you if you were you know a goth woman wearing completely inappropriate attire for someone in a professional workplace. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all been that though? No, um... uh, at least not in public. <laughs> maybe secretly. I couldn't walk in those boots too well, though. Anyway, oh. but those boots were made for walking. Mm. Um, I could, I could probably pull off the pigtails now. You could, so. you could do the pigtails for sure. <laughs> do it. Um, but, no, yeah, yeah. Well, the cops. I mean, in the world of Death Wish, um, <laughs> in the world of Death Wish, the cops. I have no idea. There are no rules for the cops because we have the L.A. cops who once again. Yeah, a lot of this seems familiar territory. Suddenly there's vigilante kills and now the cops and the mayor don't want the word to get out that there's a vigilante killing people because uh, they don't want anybody going out shooting anyone with long hair and smelling like dope. Um which sounded all familiar from New York. <laughs> well, you know, they probably all went to the same policeman's national convention or something and, and, you know, sat through the same seminars. That's my theory. And also folks, Biff, let me know if I'm wrong, but in the world of death wish warrants don't exist. <laughs> they, they just don't. I don't. What's a warrant? <laughs> well, guys, I, I was going to roll this out next week because I wanted to be sure, but I guess I can preview it. Uh, watching Death Wish 2 this morning, which, funnily enough, I mentioned last week how I'd watched the first Death Wish right. in conjunction with the the Bruce Willis remake. Right. I actually watched Death Wish 2 on that same jag. Wow. And I completely forgot about it. Like, I think I mentioned <laughs> at the end of last week's episode, yeah. I may or may not have seen this movie. I put it in. I was like, Oh my God, I did watch this like four years ago. I have no memory of it. And, you know, a la Celine Dion, it kept coming back to me now. <laughs> but I was jotting down in my notebook because I wasn't, you know, that heavily invested in this. A Death Wish bingo. Um, so Ooh. next week, I may have Death Wish bingo cards to, to share with everyone. Awesome. Um, we, we have interrupt, interrupted oral sex during a gratuitous rape scene, um, a delivery boy scam. Yeah. Uh, a refusal to look at mug shots, hmm. <laughs> uh, traumatic flashbacks, uh, Kersey slashed with a knife, um, and witnessing a car break in without doing anything. Mm. Mm -hmm. You also yeah. forgot. You also forgot a uh, police officer breaking in without a warrant. Yes, the, 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 that's what made me think of it. The warrantless yeah. search is the going warrant on here. Warrantless, warrantless search is in there. Uh, so you got to remember that. So. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, you got to give credit to Golan and Globus. I mean, they, they, this was another one of those where uh, reading in the book, uh, I only read the chapter for this one, though. I'm leaving the, the other ones for surprise after I get done with the other movies. But reading it, this was another one of those instances where they sold uh, the distribution rights to it before they had the film made so they could make the film. Uh, <laughs> but they apparently did one of their pre-releases where they released a, a whole campaign saying, hey, we're making Death Wish 2 without having the star or owning the rights to Death Wish 2. So Dino, De Laurentiis, being who he was, forced their hand and forced them to buy the rights to Death Wish for six figures. <laughs> And then Bronson wasn't going to come back for it. This is all in the book, folks. Uh, Bronson wasn't going to come back for it until they offered him $1.5 million, which makes him higher paid for this film than Braddock. Um. <laughs> and this is, this is 1982? Bronson was 60 or... years old at this point. My God. <laughs> I, you know, we should all be so blessed. Anyway, <laughs> but again, the director apparently uh, initially too, uh, the rape scene, the gratuitous rape scene wasn't initially going to be shot in this. But the director that they got for it, who was in the first one, wanted that rape scene. Apparently it took them six days to shoot and they lost their cinematographer during it. They had to. It took him. That that scene took six days to shoot. I yeah the 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 rape sequence. I guess I think from what I'm I, sure that wasn't traumatizing to anyone at all. <laughs> with with the character actors in there who apparently um like Glenn's like uh, apparently the director yeah uh according to it, it this rape scene took six days to shoot and the original cinematographer who quit but would go on to shoot things like the breakfast club and stand by me. Uh, wow. That that's a guy well, who quit. He's like, this is, this is gratuitous and this is sick. And he just got disgusted and left. Uh, so they got the guy who shot the 1976 King Kong remake to pick up and take over for him. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm thoroughly confused now. Wow. That's, that's quite a change. Yeah. Yes, Breakfast Club is much less rapey. <laughs> <laughs> that is not. Well, wow, the... I just six. I mean, and and there's no reason for the scene to be. Mm -mm. You can just simply say, I mean, you could have had a fade to black, and say, you know, and be done with it. There's no reason to show stuff like this. No, well, no. I mean, they like double down. I mean, the first one you think it's bad enough, you see Jeff Goldblum's butt, and they have the oral sex for like ten or fifteen seconds. Scene, it's still very extraordinarily disturbing, and the abuse, and that's it. This whole sequence is twice as long, and even more graphic. And yeah, you didn't need it. I was looking at this, and the way they could have cut this was okay. You you have the living room scene. You get the impression. Okay, yeah, they rape her. They they at that point though, they, a lot of it's happening kind of off camera a bit, so it's implied what they're going to be doing, but not really showing. And then they say we're going to take it to the bedroom. I figured, oh, okay, so we'll just put our imaginations there of what's going on in there, 
and we're staying in the living room now for them waiting for Kersey to come back. No, no, we go to that room and we see the multiple uh, violations on screen multiple times for some whatever reason, just like with the daughter. There's no reason for his daughter who the, the hoodlums kidnap and take her to a remote location. There is no reason for them to rape her. You get the idea already that she is still a broken person. She easily could have just went to make an escape, you know, imply that they were about to, but they didn't have to show anything. And she just bolts and runs through the window because she's not going to go through it again. That has yeah. more meaning and still has that impact than showing her, you know, with no top on and, and you know, the after the act. And it's like, really? really? Well, it's just it's just so cruel because it you is. think about, uh, you know, what she went through in the first movie, losing her mom, you know, being sexually assaulted and then it happening again. And then she runs and jumps to the window only to land on a spike. I mean, it's almost like the, the blackest, darkest humor you could find. I mean, it's like somebody you'd see in a naked gun movie where someone runs out a window and ends up being impaled on a fence. Uh, but this is in the context of something that, that actually could happen to someone. Um, so the thing is, I really like Death Wish 2. I think it's a bad movie, but I like it better than the first one because it has... It's it's partially, but I think the relocation to Los Angeles, the first one had this gritty kind of a New York thing. Like we're talking about real societal problems from mm -hmm. a very distinct point of view, agree with it or not. But in this one, it's just, oh, we're in sunny California. Everything looks very Hollywood, very polished. The score is like completely overblown and, and melodramatic. And, you know, Bronson, he's just going after dirtbags. So all the complaints I had last week about him just like shooting people in the back as they ran away. He's just getting into street fights with like, a, you know, Batman street villain level <laughs> killers who are all coming at him. So it's like, yeah, OK, I can understand. And they also they're, they're getting creative with the horrific murders like Lawrence Fishburne. Sorry, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, the, the third, third, as he's noted yes. here, uh, his death scene is spectacular. He he's behind a car getting shot at. He puts his boom box up in front of his face and dances backwards <laughs> as if that's going to camouflage instead of being a giant target on his face. He gets shot in the face and it's like, he's like, I don't know if his tongue fell out of his mouth, but there's something that like giant chunk fell out of his mouth on the way down. Spectacular stuff. That, that, that would be the third. <laughs> <laughs> oh good well yeah glenn it's you, far more ex it's more exploitative than gritty i think that it's it, the first one was trying to be yeah would you agree glenn is this this is more of your straight up 80s action in it rather than your gritty i wouldn't even call it straight up 80s action because mm -hmm. it's it's i think it's more gratuitous mm -hmm. and not even not even getting into the rape stuff just the kill scenes are just I mean, you look at a lot of the eggs, really like, you know, like all the commando ones, it's just simply, it's Arnold turning around and just going, and, you know, like eight guys just go, ah, and that's it. You know, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, even like, even in that, like when he impales a dude with a, with a pole, it's just steam comes out. Like, ah, yeah. that's kind of funny. Yeah. Driving to live out some steam. Not, look at that. I tore Bennett's jaw off his face. <laughs> 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 but I, I like I, I I will say I, I liked 
This one felt more of what I was hoping the first one would be, namely because Kersey is more controlled in this. This is what we get in this, what I was talking about in the last episode, what we didn't get in that he's passing up guys who in the first film would, he would have just been blowing people away. <laughs> um, he's actually looking for the guys who did the thing in this one, you know? Yeah. And it's a bit more narratively satisfying in that respect, but also I, I like that, you know, later in the show, um, Vincent Gardenia's detective character from New York shows back yeah. up and we kind of get a little bit of Kersey's backstory of like what happened in the two years since the last movie. And like, because last we saw him, he was going to Chicago, but now he's in L.A. and we find out what happened. So this is kind of Death Wish 3. There's almost like a missing <laughs> chapter in there that we have to imagine what was going on in Chicago. I mean, yeah, he fell in love and decided to move to the City of Angels with Jerry Nichols um, of KABC Radio. Yes. But you get the feeling that he there were some bodies pile up in alleys uh, <laughs> while they were courting. Well, two years or five years. Depends on who you ask in this movie, because it, it was two years, but it was five years. But <laughs> oh, well, they're different. <laughs> there were, yeah. Am yeah. I am I wrong on that? They mentioned it, which threw me off. I'm like, I, I believe I believe there are two different time time frames mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, it, well, they're 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 New York years, right? So New York like, feels like five years or vice versa. A, a year in L.A. equals like two in New York or something, <laughs> because in L.A. they mentioned about the L.A. guys mentioned it's two years. The guys in New York mentioned it's five years since mm. the events so you know two plus five divided by two so three and a half years we'll go with. unless unless think about this guys yeah. during maybe this movie secretly takes place over the course of three years <laughs> <laughs> he's just out in skid row like renting that apartment like it starts it it was two years ago but during the course of this film he's just killing people for three years well, looking for these street punks well, and so then by the end, you get to five. <laughs> well, let's look at this uh, Kersey's method now. I mean, you're right. We're, we're, it makes you wonder if he did do things in Chicago because he's got this shit planned out this time. And the last time he was just leaving his apartment from the back door or whatnot and blowing people away around his his neighborhood. In this one, he's going to like a separate side of town, the other side of the tracks. He's paying cash for a rundown apartment. He's leaving his gun in the apartment, not in his office downtown. <laughs> I love it. Fifty dollars a month. For yeah, <laughs> for a room, dude. I I would have not slept on that bed for fifty dollars. Mm. That's it's. You needed a tetanus shot just walking in that apartment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, he's got this th thought out more, which makes me think, yeah, you may have learned some lessons from Death Wish 1, but he, he's he got this more methodic. I I like Kersey in this one better than the first one. What, Although he still just kind of stumbles into some of the guys who happen to true. be the killers. That's true. Oh, look, there's people that there's some muggers attacking a couple. One of them just happens to be one of the people I need to kill. <laughs> Well, in fairness, he does go out every night and just like stare down everybody he encounters. <laughs> like, he, yes, he's, yeah, he's I mean, literally it's, it's, the mugshot. He's doing the physical version of the mugshot book. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's good that you know, unlike New York, 
where it would have been too hard to track these guys down. L.A. is just a, such a small town. It's easy to find these guys. <laughs> well, they're territorial. I mean, come on. These guys are territorial. You know, when you dress like that, you have to be. Um, the, the villains, you know, in the first one, the villains, the bad guys looked like your average punks. But these guys do look like it picked up from the end of Death Wish 1 to where they look like, you know, rejects from hackers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we get here with these wonderful group of character actors who all play the villains. Apparently, the director gave them their opportunity to make their own style. So old Larry mm. uh, Lawrence Fishburne is the one he picked out those glasses and, and their own look and everything. So I guess he gave them that. Um yeah, I mean, I I like it because they it does differentiate them from just like regular street toughs, and and they all look very different. Like the mm. the main guy at the end had like this crazy giraffe neck, and you know this <laughs> kind of curly blonde uh, fro, and yeah, and you know Lawrence Fishburne, you know, no one knew that he was going to become Larry Fishburne later yeah. on, but you know he's still very interesting to watch. My favorite out of all of them was the arms dealer that they went to in the park <laughs> with the, 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 the bright, the pink reflective shirt with the rainbow suspenders and the white hat. Like I want an entire movie about this guy. I want to know what his deal is, but also as far as the deaths, like and it really comes out in that scene. Everybody dies when they get shot as if they've fallen into an electric fence. They're all like, there's an extra twitch to every single death. I don't understand if that's just the way they were directed or what, but I caught that. I like after the third death, I'm like, why did he twitch again? It was like, oh, oh, he only shot you once. Why are you? <laughs> and and also, I don't know anything about the geography of L.A. or anywhere, really. But um, when that car drove through the, the fence it then fell off a cliff. Oh my god! And landed he... and exploded. Like, where is this? What I, thought, I loved about that scene is that the car was driving fairly slow, but then you cut away, and it's like when I was a kid, I had Hot Wheels, and you would drive them on the table, and then, of course, being a kid, you would wing them off the table. They just go flying. It was like someone, some kid, took the car and winged it off the cliff but it yeah. wasn't going that fast in the previous scene mm -mm. um well it's it, like physics momentum or something again <laughs> i got my degree my my cops license at ncisu and my doctorate well, from scrubs university <laughs> community well, college well it's the general and then it's the general the car landed so it has to blow up i every car you know when it falls down a cliff it has to blow up it regardless you know never mind in the real world a lot of cars that have run off cliffs or rolled over whatever never exploded in fury but you know this this car you know maybe it was all the weapons in the back that would have fallen out with the trunk open because there you go well it was, it was full of molotov cocktails in the back seat they just all <laughs> ignited i don't know how that works either uh, Glenn, what did you think about them actually bringing some of the cast back from New York and having our uh, uh, detective back? Was he really needed? <laughs> I mean, what? The, the the entire concept of the uh, couple of couple of low life criminals have been killed while doing low life criminal things must be a vigilante thing. <laughs> hey, wasn't there one of those in New York two or five years ago? 
Yeah, because punks in this crime-ridden town of L.A., which is twice as crime-ridden as the New York uh, from five years earlier. Um, yeah, two cr crooks dying. Yeah, that's a vigilante. Two of them. I mean, at least in the first one, it took like, what, seven before they were actually saying they had a vigilante. But here in L.A., two. Oh, hey, someone died in a drug deal. Gotta be a vigilante. Can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be on the way that person would have died. Drug dealers are normally so nice to each other. See, and that's the way I thought they were going to go, because the first time he tracks down the first set of guys, a drug deal goes down and he kills them during a drug deal. So you would, how you jump from, oh, we've got a vigilante when this could just easily been a drug deal gone bad to, oh, that, that drug deal death. We get the crazy guy who does the slimy tongue thing when he tried to, when we first meet him and they stole you know, Bronson's wallet. Um, later, we see him during the drug deal, and Kersey gets the first guy right away, one of the guy from the gang. Uh, the drug dealers, he lets go. I guess he doesn't care if people see his fucking face now. Um, but then he's facing this guy, and Ian, what's the point of making him religious? Are you a religious man? You believe in Jesus? Oh, well, you see him soon. It's like the whole point was just so that he could drop that line because I'm yes. like... Yes. I'm like... Yes, that's the entire point. <laughs> um, because it is it is just so cheesy. You believe in Jesus? Yeah. You're going to meet him. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I just shoot him. That's... Well, it's, that... it's a... It's a tra I don't know. I don't think I watched... I didn't watch the trailer for this movie, yeah. but that's a trailer moment right there. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely that, a clip. that's a line. That's a trailer. clip going in the trailer just before. Just that was also a pretty good Charlie Bronson you did there. Oh <laughs> yeah, well, thank was. you. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. That, that was really good. I think you had a little too much emotion, but other than that, well, I think. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm drinking coffee. I should be uh, drinking Nyquil. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's such a change from Kersey, who just was before just blowing guys away who were robbers in an alley. He he corners them in an alley, just pop, pop, fuck no dropping lines. I'm just going to kill these guys because they're bad guys and I'm going to kill them. And here he kills the one guy. I mean, he hesitates uh, in a really bad edit to where he's pulling his gun back and he's moving away. And then we cut to a different scene to where he's pulling his gun back and moving away again. And I'm just like, uh, what? Quit hesitating. The old Kersey from Death Wish would have already blown away all four of these guys. He wouldn't have let the drug dealers go away. He would have just taken a chance and just popped all four of them. But now we've got Death Wish 2 Kersey, and he's only going after the, the bad guys, which on one hand I like, but on the other hand, this felt out of character for him in a way. Well, maybe he was concentrate. He wanted to make sure that the guy that he was really after didn't get away by... Not but, focusing on the other people. I don't know. But he's a crack shot. Glenn said it himself. He's a crack shot art architect. So, which... Well, a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> but that's, that's Clint Eastwood. I'm sorry. Eastwood. <laughs> yes, this this is... this is Remember, this is measure twice, kill once. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> which he does actually measure <laughs> twice before he kills once in this drug deal scene. Um, which, funny you mention Clint Eastwood. Uh, Charlie Bronson was uh, Leone's uh, first choice for the Man with No Name series. Did you realize really? that? I don't think I knew that. I Charlie Charlie Bronson was originally he originally wanted Bronson because he had done 
uh, westerns. So they he wanted to get Bronson uh, for it, but Bronson couldn't do it or something along that line. He wasn't as big of a name, so they got Eastwood. Uh, he ch- oh he chose that to do it, so they got Eastwood to do the man with no name series, which I'm trying to picture Bronson as in, in the poncho. I just I'm not sure the poncho would be be Bronson, you know. Yeah, I just can't imagine with like the the Eastwood stubble instead of that Bronson yeah. mustache. E- even better. Hold on to your butts, folks. Thanks. Let me get to, my hand free. Oh, there you go. Thanks to the Canon Film Guide. Guess who was originally supposed to be in Death Wish as the Kersey character? Take a guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn, get, give me a guess. It's got to be someone ridiculous, so I don't know. John yeah. Ritter. Okay. Uh, what about you, Ian? I would have loved, loved that. He said John Ritter. Who who do you think was supposed to be initially in Kersey in, in Death Wish 1? Lawrence Fishburne. No. no. <laughs> that would... No. It, no. <laughs> Prepare yourself. Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon? <laughs> Jack Lemon? I can't see that. I could accept Jack Klugman. That would have been awesome. Jack, <laughs> <laughs> Jack Klugman would have been awesome. That would have been an odd couple of casting choices. Um, Jack Lemon was initially supposed to be uh, a Kersey character because it wasn't initially an architect. He was going to be the original script before it got retooled by the director who ended up directing uh, Death Wish 2, which is where I was going, Michael Winner. He retooled the first uh script for the first film so it wasn't an architect uh, it wasn't initially going to be an architect it was going to be more of the original film to where he was just a, a accountant i think it was or something along that lines um but you know and uh, in the original one of the original scripts of the first one he does he is supposed to go mad and it's not like the retooled that we saw at the end of death wish one and apparently this script got retooled as well especially with the gratuitous scenes we mentioned before which uh, Michael Winner apparently was very adamant about having in the film to the point where they had to cut it down to get the rated R rating before it went theaters. Apparently what was filmed was a lot worse than what we got. What the... Yeah. Again, why? I, I, mean, I put this... Here. Is, is the director in prison now? <laughs> I'm hoping he's either, I hope he's either in prison or dead. Let's see. Uh, no, he's not. But um, what a white man! I would have never guessed. <laughs> <laughs> winner, winner, prison dinner. No, um, yeah, it's weird because I put on Death Wish. I watched part of it this morning and then part of it later in the day. Mm-hmm. I put it on in a different DVD player and let it run, or Blu-ray player and let it run because mm-hmm. I had to go take care of laundry or something. I came back and it was 18 minutes into the film. And by that point, the rape and the assault had already happened. It happens very early in the movie. Yeah. But it's such a small part of the film. I don't know. Well, I guess I can figure out why it would spend six days creating this monstrosity. But you'd think that for that amount of effort, it would have been more central or at least more of a run, uh, contributed more to the runtime than, you know, three minutes. Yeah, well, there may have been more, like I said, and then was cut down so they could get the but, R rating. But even still, it was very early in the film that it was happening. Um, which uh, also, 
um, I, you know, the maid, I, I don't know. I'm like sitting here going, you're in LA, it's crime ridden city. And you just take someone's word. Oh, I have a delivery for Mr. Kersey. You don't tell them, leave it on the doorstep, please. You know, or, or something along that lines. She just, you know, opens the door. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. There was just so much weirdness going on with that whole maid situation. Like she's sitting there making tacos for dinner. I mean, it just it feels like it just feels like, oh, she's she's a Mex he's got a Mexican maid and what is she gonna make for dinner? Oh, tacos, of course, because that's what they do. Of, of uh, course. Yeah, yeah, I just I She's such a throwaway character. It seemed like she had a, a relationship with Paul Kersey, not like an intimate one, but like there was a like a story there. She she'd been she'd been his housekeeper for a while. This isn't like you yeah. know where they were rotating housekeepers. This was like a major housekeeper because they were on very very uh, frank terms when they talked to each other. What it was more like just. It's like you're, banter. Yeah. yeah, it was banter. You almost for a, just for a brief moment, you're like, wait, are they in a? No, they're not in a relationship. OK, but it was just it, the way they were very familiar with one another enough. You're like, OK, she's been around for a while. And th this is a very, you know, known person. And then we get his love interest, who he's apparently been with for a while, which was Bronson's wife in real life, Jill oh. Ireland. Uh, yeah, he insisted she be in the film. Uh, that's one of the, one of the stipulations, no, one of the stipulations for him being in the movie besides the 1.5 million was <laughs> that she gets to play his love interest. Apparently she did like 16 films with Bronson total or something like that over the years. But, uh, was their daughter Kathy Ireland? No, I no, they wasn't Kathy Ireland. Oh, okay. no, not the alien from LA. No, though there, <laughs> there's a combined universe. There you go. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I think she did well. I, the, the only thing that rubbed me wrong about her character was there's not really a sense of like time in this movie, but it, it feels like, uh, what was it? She like, it was like a week after the daughter and the maid were, you know, yeah. assaulted and killed. She like comes over to the apartment or something. I think she, maybe she wakes him up or mm -hmm. she propositioned him like, you know, Hey, want some company? I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I just put my daughter in the ground. It wasn't what are you doing. It wasn't snowing this time, though. It, it was not snowing this time. Oh, that's this, right. okay. So, yeah, funerals. I got to write that. Funeral. Add that to the bingo. <laughs> add, add that to the bingo. Funerals, which you know, it's one of those things where okay, they buried his wife in New York and they buried his daughter in L.A. I guess. He's not going to go back to New York. He probably can't go back to New York. <laughs> he's, he's that's a right. Known, he he's could. A known man. He lost all his New York privileges. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's right. Uh, this film, I mean, on one hand, it is an improvement in many ways as far as narratively, I think, over Death Wish. And the Paul Kersey character is painted more as a hero type than he was in the first one. That said, the entire world that he lives in around him makes not a lot of sense. <laughs> I do love that they they maintain the dual life architect kind of a thing because it, it's less in this movie. There was more business at the office with yeah. the co-workers and that whole trip to Arizona from the first one. But in this one, there's like just weird subplot about like, is the boss at KABC Radio going to go with the granite or the marble 
arched way to the building. It's like this whole big drama decision that his wife is involved in. But it's just kind of cute because, yeah. like, yeah, he Jersey can maintain this double life of like, eh, yeah, it's gonna be five hundred thousand dollars, you know. It's, you let your wife decide, and then he's going out and just like murdering people at three a.m. Yep. <laughs> like well, you do, like like you. Yeah, do. That, that's when he well, smiles. So he can turn on the charm. It, this definitely is the one of those sequels that hits nearly all the same beats as the previous film which is just like, you know, a Steven Seagal film where, you know, just change the title and the description of the characters, but the same thing happens. And this one, just like in the first one, his his family member died. He goes off to a very quaint, quiet area. In the first one, he went to Arizona or whatever to to do a job to get away from New York. In this one, he gets away from L.A. and he goes chops wood. Um, for a while, but I mean, that was some savage wood chopping, (laughs) which I was hoping he was going to get, Oh, is he going to start using an ax on the guys instead of a gun, making this like more personal, you know, he's practicing with that ax. I was, I was hoping, but Glenn, does this, is this like hit the same exact beats of the first one? As far as like what cursey, you know, (laughs) I mean, as far as what happens a little bit. Yeah. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna go away. Mm-hmm. Like, relax, have a couple of drinks, chop some wood, build myself up before I go on a massive murder spree. <laughs> well, the last one he went to Arizona and looked Gotta at be the in the right frame of mind, and you know, it's I goddamn miss- trees. <laughs> <laughs> I do miss the colorful. Arizona cowboy that we had in the last movie that was he would have been nice to see again though the you kind of get that with I think that's what they're kind of trying to go with with the the radio station you know the guy you know they'll kind of add the humor yeah forget the three minute rape scene now let's laugh at the guy who's got a wife who is controlling about the construction of the radio station no no just forget about the cold-blooded killing that your main character is doing. Let's laugh again as he decides about an archway. Um, I do want to mention another colorful character in this movie. And it's weird because I didn't know who he was the first time I watched this a few years ago, Mm -hmm. but in the years since I've started watching a lot of uh, Dario Argento movies, there's an actor, Anthony Franciosa. And I've been Mm -hmm. looking away trying to like do some Googling because I couldn't remember his name or what movie he was in, but he was in Tenebrae. He played Mm -hmm. uh, the author who was involved in the whole like murder plot. He shows up for like a minute and a half in this movie as one of the LA. I don't know if he's the mayor, but he's in that whole meeting talking about like, how are we going to get rid of this guy? And I'm like, Oh, I love that dude. But yeah, it was, he was barely a cameo in this movie. (laughs) I thought for sure he was going to end up like going up against Paul Kersey or something, but no, no, the cops don't mess with Kersey uh, at all. You know, I mean, we get the one uh, you get that one scene, too, where the one guy's trying to play hardball with the two people that Kersey saved, though it was because of Kersey. The one guy got shot in the leg. But anyway, um, you know, eh, collateral damage. But anyway, he lived. But anyway, you know, you get that humor of what did he look like? I did kind of like that scene a bit them playing at the hero vigilante angle, similar to what you had in the first one where they're like, yeah. You know, they're trying to get a description of 
well, who was the guy who killed these thugs? And they're just like, he saved our life. I'm not fucking telling you. <laughs> Back to that scene, though. Um, you know, this movie has a lot of tits in it. Um, yeah. And only one instance is one that I could consider tasteful. It's not the scene I'm about to talk about, but it's, yeah, it's that <laughs> that parking garage scene. Yeah where the woman is dragged away from her husband, taken into a van, assaulted until Kersey shows up. She's used as a human shield. And of course, the floppies are hanging out the front because it's like, <laughs> that's what they're counting on. I, I, I just wonder what the psychological makeup of the audience they think they're making this movie for is. Like the people who go in to see Death Wish, they want to see people get blown away and have one hand free to do their business while that's going on. Um, but no, later on, uh, with the last guy who's uh, on PCP, like right before he starts oh, thinking, guy, yeah. beating up the entire police department, he's in his apartment. He gets into a fight with this lady, and then this other girl is just doing transcendental me- meditation, like on <laughs> the, the floor, set, uh, completely yeah. nude, like with the most impressive set I've seen since uh, <laughs> Debbie Sue Voorhees in <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth: The New Beginning. <laughs> And she's got her headset on. She's and, just meditating. And what well, well, yeah, I mean, of if, absolutely nothing. If you want, I got some photos here of me meditating. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, oh, pull cool. Those up. Pull those up All real right. quick. No, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to get banned from YouTube, Glenn. I can't for for that type of content. What, you, you know, that, what so. are you saying about Glenn's beautiful form? I'm not. I'm saying that YouTube has some strict censorship standards, and you know. Glenn, you don't meet the standards. How do you, how does that make you feel? <laughs> no, he, I don't meet the standards. I set the. I was I was gonna say he exceeds the standards. He's the BFD, and they YouTube wouldn't allow that much beauty online. So BFD is gonna stand for banned for days if you, <laughs> if you show those pictures. Well, if we all take our shirt off, it's okay. <laughs> Is this what you want? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? It apparently is what the director thought the audience want in his film because he tripled down. He was was probably thinking, you know, that last first one was in New York. You know what's going to happen in New York? They're going to take away all the porno places in Times Square. So we better make something for those people to jerk off to one last time. (laughs) I and he was right. He was right. right. Yeah, I mean, mostly. (laughs) <laughs> it's just it, it was really weird too with the whole New York detective who ends up dying and saving Kersey from getting shot when they pretty much play out that his whole mission was go to go get Kersey and to stop him and he didn't like Kersey in New York blowing crooks away and he barely agreed with letting Kersey go he was only doing what he was told and in here suddenly he has a change of heart after he's followed Kersey, who's following the bad guys for most of the <laughs> night. Then suddenly, in the bushes, a sniper who wouldn't have known Kersey was there if the detective had said, look out, because Kersey was undercover the whole time. I mean, the sniper would have seen him, but this guy's like, oh, look out, Kersey. And then he shoots, and then they get in the gunfight, and suddenly they're partners. And I'm like, what? 
Well, it doesn't make any sense, but it does lead to a lovely moment where Kersey is cradling Vincent Gardini. He's like, go get that son of a bitch or that motherfucker. Oh, for me, yeah, go get that motherfucker for me. Yeah, you know? I and love th- that moment. And then he doesn't because the guy gets uh, the ladies. There's the transcendental topless scene. Again, Kersey was smart up until this point, and this is what the, this was one of the elements that frustrated me. Again, I like this better than the first one in many ways, but it's still it was like Kersey has the radio. The SWAT have this the last remaining gang members surviving surrounded. They say they're going to break in and get him. Mm-hmm. Kersey goes into the building where he knows they have it under surveillance to try to get this guy first. And I'm just like this is the dumbest move I've seen a hero make because I'm like hero in quotes because I'm like just let the cops take them. You, you, you know what I mean? It was it was really. I, I feel like the the concern was they were just going to get him on a regular charge, oh, so yeah. they would maybe send him to jail, possibly to prison. Cursey can't get into prison. He had a. I think he saw an opportunity later after he screwed things up because honestly. He would have gotten away with it, too, if, if it hadn't been for that skirmish in the hallway. He probably would just yeah. would have gone there and taken Popped him out. Him, but yeah. yeah. But when the you know Afro giraffe guy starts taking on the cops because he's on drugs, then it becomes an insanity defense. Then he goes to the hospital. It's a little bit easier to get into. Which, so, yeah, that, do- that doesn't bother me as much. I thought I liked the little twist i like that you know paul kersey is now you know getting into disguise something i didn't pick up on the the last time is when he meets jerry on that rooftop and proposes to her they make this weird plan to like go to acapulco um she says you know you've been spending so much time there at the hospital it didn't occur to me that he was probably doing that uh, so that he would be familiar enough as a face around the hospital. So even with his fake credentials, people wouldn't be like, who's this weird guy walking around? Like, oh, no, I probably, he's probably a doctor. There's like a hundred of them in this place. Well, let's not forget the not-so-subtle line they drop of going, oh, you've gone with me so many times, you probably know the layout of that place as well as I do. Not yeah. foreshadowing anything that he may be <laughs> doing. And again, Kersey is smart. They plan to go to Mexico. He knows when he offs this last guy, however he does, he needs an out. So they're going to go to Mexico to get married. That way he doesn't get extradited. <laughs> or, or they don't find him. You know, By the time they figure out what has gone on, he's out. He's gone out of the town, city, country. Well... Yeah, I mean, it's a smart plan. He's thinking ahead. Um, but I do like, as wacky as it is, as kind of Bugs Bunny-ish subplot of like the fake ID and getting in there. And I like that Charlie, Charles Cyphers is the <laughs> the orderly who walks him down to the room and, and gets him in the same room with the guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is, that's the old uh, electroshock therapy room, but nobody <laughs> uses it anymore. More foreshadowing, very subtle. Um but it's just fun. I was a little bit disappointed that giraffe Afro guy didn't get uh, like his skin didn't like fry or something. It was very pedestrian. Well, I think they were near the end of their budget at this point, so they couldn't afford the the extra special effects of him. Uh, you know, everybody twitches extra. He just had yeah. extra. You know, 
extra. Well, because the because the original scene was going to be they were going to take him down. He was going to say, "Yeah, this is the old human blender room where we used to grind up dead patients, <laughs> but you know we don't use it anymore." And that's just they they didn't have the budget for that. So they had to go with the electric. <laughs> you know, you know. Sometimes they hide, they they hide a little, but especially in the eighties, there just was that trend of the blatant foreshadowing that you just knew was coming. Just like in was it of. Was it uh, was it sudden impact or with the uh, unicorn on the carousel, or was that a, a play misty for me? One of them was they walked past the bad guys got a hostage and they're in the the carousel or whatever. And he walks past and the camera stays on the unicorn with the the the, the unicorn yeah. carousel horse with the very sharp horn pointed stays on it for about four seconds and you're like. Somebody's gonna land on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the foreshadowing was 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 pretty much as subtle as a RoboCop shot to the dick. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no way you're missing that. No, no, no. no. And so you get that here with, yeah, the electro. We're gonna put you in the room with the old electroshock therapy equipment. That's not gonna come into play. But I do like that his arm went through like one of the the display monitors instead of something like he hooked up some electrodes to him or something. It, you know, it was it just kind of incidental action. It was fun. It, well, that does play out well because he cr- he punches through the machine and then he uh, he hits the the breaker. I'm like right away. I'm like, oh, okay. actually, that went different than I thought it was going to. Yeah. <laughs> I also like the struggle with the the guy had the shiv and the multiple. I mean that the the multiple stabbings to Kersey through the the doctor's coat. Like when later on you can see the little holes like all over the coat as he's walking away, and then when he's taking off his shirt later to, to for the dressing, you see like the little slash marks, and it just looks really gnarly. I, again, take your whole shirt off before you put the bandage in. You're, you're welcome. You can do that. It, it's okay to take the whole shirt off, not stretch it out, and then shove the bandage underneath your shirt, you know. But <laughs> by the way, because I, I did I, get my degree at Scrubs Community College, I know nothing about oh. like medicine, but <laughs> what was that bandage? It looks like he, like paper mache or. He made it out of like several hundred other bandages and gauze. Like, what was that contraption he put on himself? Is that a thing? It's a Kersey bandage. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's the Kersey bandage. <laughs> Glenn, what, what did you think of this whole final sequence? Was this? Was this? You know, did it? Did it give you some payoff, or was this? I mean, I suppose. I mean, you know, I mean, for, first of all, I mean, I'm always leery of the of the the. I'm just going to pretend to be a doctor at you know at a place because <laughs> because I I've known enough nurses that that ain't fucking happening. They know every doctor and they know everything about every doctor because they know which ones they want to work with, which ones they don't, which ones do things, which ones make them do extra work. The nurses know that that place inside and out, and they know everyone in there. But I can skip that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, like just the guys just in this room well yeah well and then he's not like, and and, and eh, i mean it took it took 900 cops to subdue the guy when he was on pcp we'll just leave him hanging out here i mean it's fine <laughs> yeah you know he's got a shiv he's like not like you know like just throw throw him in that room well, should we leave his handcuffs <laughs> on nah yeah the guy had the shiv in his shoe the whole time why this and this is the first time he's tried to break out what 
Never mind. And I'm, ah, I'm someone's here now. I can now I can escape. It's been, been too hard when I was alone. <laughs> Let, let's let's get a little dark. I'm sorry. We're going to bring a little reality into it, but uh, let's talk about how unrealistic that whole scene is. Of the guy whacked out on PCP comes running out of the building, starts assaulting officers left and right. No one shoots him. Well, the problem is. And they, they do allude to this. Um, they can't shoot him because it's uh, they're in a crowded street. Oh, there's there's a lot of people. That's true. That's and there's right. there's like a ring that. of cops yeah. all around them. So if they started shooting, they'd be they, they, they did, go anywhere. They did say that there's too many people because the one guy was going to shoot him. I was just like, that's a seems a little unrealistic. But because but, you know, <laughs> I'm glad it was unrealistic because that was some impressive like stunt work. Like the the one guy. Oh yeah. Came at him and he got completely flipped over the hood of the car, just like this beautiful ballet well, of drugs well I, I loved the old school taser too i forgot you yeah, like a spike oh. <laughs> it was like this spike and the guy just looked out away what glenn <laughs> i just i just know that that if i was crazy though i would stay away from like television sets and stuff because the spirit of nirvana could be going through the circuits <laughs> and coming out of it Oh wait, that's only if it's only if he'd been played by Mitch Pelagi. Sorry, that's right. That's Mitch Pelagi. That's right. Yeah, wrong, wrong. That's the wrong thing. Well, and then how about the the ruling? I mean, the way this whole thing. I loved how it ended, but the whole ruling of, oh, he was on PCP, so he was not of sane mind, so he's going to be put in the hospital, the mental hospital. To I'm like. Being cracked out on PCP is not the same as being mental, having a, a mental health issue that you're, you know, you're, you're like split personality or whatnot. So they put him in the insane asylum until he can join society rather than, I'm like, he didn't have a mental issue. He was on PCP. That's. Well, I, we didn't see the whole trial, of course, so it was probably just something his lawyer was able to concoct. Mm. I mean, plus, I don't, I don't know how about like drug laws or, or the perception of, of drugs versus mental illness back in the early '80s, but I could, I think that checks out. I don't think he would have gotten away with it today. Okay, maybe I'm thinking too much of modern times, but but then they give him a, a wink to his mom, like adding that little <laughs> bit of humor again. And mom's got a mustache. <laughs> It, 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 they made some improvements on the original, and then they they faltered still in some other spots. I think on Death Wish too. I, I think we'll we'll wrap it up here. But um, you know, they didn't make a whole lot of money off of this, but it was a very popular what? film. Yeah, well, because they <laughs> sold, they had to they had to sell all the distribution rights so they could fund the film. Well, they funded the film, but then they couldn't make any money out of it because they didn't own any distribution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in true canon spirit <laughs> just make the movie <laughs> which they did in this because they they do you know the original concept of this kersey was supposed to be more in la he was supposed to hook up with a bunch of survivalists and he was supposed to have like kevlar vest and decked out with like survival gear and knives and weapons and shit uh originally and then they retooled it and held off on it for number three, I guess, before he started getting some major weapons and such. So, again, um, all these ideas you're telling us for that, for what this was supposed to be, 
makes Death Wish 2 the way it came out seem like a freaking masterpiece. <laughs> All bad ideas. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it is what it is. I, I again, it's it's this this is definitely more of what I expected the first one to be, and it's just a kind of a stark contrast in a way to the first one as far as some of the tone in that, but it it. I, I think it was watchable. What about you, Glenn? Your final thought with Death Wish Two? Um, I mean, parts of it are watchable. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think so, yeah. Some of the overly gratuitous scenes are just ah. I mean, those scenes would. I mean, you would not see those in a movie today, mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, at least not those scenes. I mean, there's plenty of gratuitous things, um, but not to that degree. Um, and it'd be gratuitous in different ways, but I mean, eh, I mean, I'm very, the, the more I go back and watch a lot of this older stuff, the more I realize that a lot of it was just not, well, well, I think there's some, some good things you can find. Like some of the cinematography mm-hmm. is really well done and stuff like that, but the stories were just so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thin. They were wafer thin. Some of these stories. Ian, what about you with Death Wish Two? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I I did enjoy it more than the first Death Wish, but I also didn't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I I'm more curious about three and four because I know for sure I haven't seen either of those. Mm-hmm. And if they keep getting more and more ridiculous, then I'm expecting a full blown like Warner Brothers cartoon by part four. So this will be fun. <laughs> Well, uh, part three does does get more into the ridiculous zone. Uh, I haven't seen four either, but and there is a five, so maybe we'll do the five as a, uh, a, a a VIP episode. But there is there is a five. That sounds like a threat, Mark. Um, <laughs> I, I might lose patrons for that. Who who is there left in Paul Kersey's life to be <laughs> raped and ex- murdered? He's frankly. got extended fan. Well. <laughs> initially, initially, I thought that that's what the setup was for number three when he asks Jerry Nichols to marry him. I'm like, oh, he's going to finish it out. Jerry Nichols and him are and Paul Kersey are going to fly out and get married. And then three, because I didn't remember much of three, three would be she gets raped and murdered. And, you know, and the the local Chihuahua does as well. And then he goes out on a killing spree. <laughs> With that, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's it. it I don't. I, I don't remember much of three outside of that. He gets a lot larger weapons, so um, it's going to be. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He gets <laughs> two words: rocket launcher, and that's mm. how we're going to end it tonight. Um, thank you so much, folks. I hope you enjoyed our little ramble here of uh, Death Wish Two. Um, while it's, it's not that much of an improvement, it still is interesting to see them take this property in this direction. And, you know, he's 60 in this film. Charles Bronson is, is, is 60 by the time this is made. And he went on to do, uh, three more films. <laughs> so, wow. and there's the sigh. Thank you. <laughs> so now this is where I give my wonderful guests. The license to shill. So, uh, BFD, you got anything? You, you got TikTok? Come on, uh, pu- push something. Sure, push you something. can. You can find me on TikTok Games in a Bunker. 
I do nerdy things. There you go. He does nerdy things. They're great and entertaining and far better than watching, uh, yeah, some of the things on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the, the last one I did, you know, I mean, my, my whole family was murdered. And then I just randomly started killing a bunch of TikTokers, not caring which TikToker did it. Again, copyright spoiler room, 2021. <laughs> uh, death tick. Death tick. <laughs> the, the clock for the death clock rings once. No, anyway. Mm. Death tick. <laughs> Challenge accepted. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, great. Now I'm thinking that there, my mind just went there. A TikTok movie where the challenge, instead of a, de- a, a dance challenge, it, it'd be something like Truth or Dare, where people start to have a challenge of how they can kill people in a specific way. There you go. Oh, it's, it's coming. There'll be, a, yeah. there'll be a TikTok horror movie, I'm sure. I'm sure there already is. I mean, there was Truth or Dare, uh, one of them, uh, five or six, I forgot which one it was, but it, it was similar to that. But anyway... On to Mr. Ian Simmons, License to Shill, sir. Please, go ahead. Hi, uh, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. I also have the Kicking the Seat YouTube channel, which you can find at youtube.com slash maybe Kicking the Seat. Uh, put up a bunch of like interviews and movie review videos each week. And I'm also here on Tuesday nights talking with Mark and also Glenn. So this is, uh, this is a lot of fun. It is a lot of Join fun. Join us. Join us. Uh, yes, subscribe and all that good fun stuff. Uh, we got some great reviews coming up this week on the channel and uh, AMA. And yes, next week we continue our The Other Chuck Month with Death Wish 3, which will be a cannon fodder film. So that means one a fine person will get a chance to shoot the cannon to see what our next cannon film will be, though we've been doing a lot of cannon films. But it's going to uh, be Glenn. Glenn. I'm point, yeah, there. I'm pointing <laughs> the right direction now. So stay tuned for that, folks. And I would just say a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, everyone. <laughs>Hey everyone, we hope you enjoyed our show. If you would like to get access to exclusive Spoiler Room content, stop on by our Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you will get access to VIP episodes, hear the discussions we have before our episodes, and a whole lot more. With your support, we can continue to provide the quality content you've come to expect. Thank you again for listening to The Spoiler Room, where the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies. Thank you.